welcome back yet again. You know, most trilogies go one of two ways. They're the most successful movies ever made, or they fail miserably. We'll have to see which way we go with this one. I'm still at Stan the Legend, and this is still Spence. I still think the second one was better, honestly. I mean, usually it is the second one. The second episode was the empire of Bored and Nerdy. You know, this is why I fear. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go into my. I'm gonna go into my realm here. Uh, favorite author of mine, Mario Puzo. He wrote the series, The Godfather. Mm-hmm. Nobody watches The Godfather three. Even fans of the series don't watch The Godfather three. Yeah. So we have to prove it wrong. So the topic Spence and I were actually supposed to discuss today that it took us, you know, fifty minutes to get into was. Something that was so important, I think, in multiple ways, not just to our individual development as gamers, but into bringing gaming to where it's at right now. So I think back to Saturday mornings. Saturday mornings were supposed to be a joyous time for kids. Mm -hmm. Saturday morning cartoons. First day of the weekend. No school. Sleep as late as you want. If you had takeout on Friday night, you could have that for breakfast instead of cereal. We used to, when my family did do pizza, we did it on Friday night. All right. Did you put it in the fridge or just leave it on the counter overnight? Put it in the fridge. I didn't start leaving it on the counter until college. Dude, you were, you didn't know, man. No, see, I like cold pizza for breakfast. My per, I personally prefer the on the counter pizza. Oh, man. Like, it's, it's like that kind of cold pizza where it's like, you get that consistency from the cold pizza, but not the temperature. So if you just want to, like, just get straight into it, like, if if any of you guys party and you have a pizza, leave it on the counter. And when you're hungover the following morning, that pizza, just, like, room temperature and solid, is the best thing you'll ever have in your entire life. <laughs> swear, welcome God, to, swear. Welcome to episode three, where we talk about the best way to eat your leftover pizza. Yeah, what are, what are we supposed to be talking about? So, so where I was going with this, though, and I, I'm from the generation where... Saturday morning cartoons. Mm. It, I mean, like, it was X-Men. church. It was literally church. X Men, right? Mm-hmm. And and they did it. Um, the cliffhangers they would leave every week. It was consistent. You know, what I mean, yeah. it, it wasn't episodic. It wasn't standalone episodes. It was telling you this this overarching uh, story, and I looked forward to it. If I didn't have pizza, it's when I got to eat trick cereal. Okay, we didn't get sugary cereals in my house often, but on the weekends, we got to go to town. I bet it was a generic cereal, though. No, 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 and that's why it was no, important. Because my parents used to pull down on me. They got, no, we got, they got the name brand box and then put the, to start, and then they got the bulk cereal and then refilled the box. See, that's smart. That's smart. My parents weren't... My mom, it was during the week. It was, if you want cereal, it was mm. Raisin Bran. And on the I'll, just, I'll just point out trips. right now, that story is probably the reason why I have trust issues today, but... That's that's a whole other thing. The cereal in my life is a lie. But my mom used to do this terrible thing to me. Mm-hmm. She dragged me out of the house. Oh. To go shopping. Mm. Now, if I behaved well, when she went to the grocery store, right next to the grocery store was this place called Tommy K's Video. Oh God, that's a trip. For those who aren't in the Northeast and don't know what Tommy K's was, it was oh my God, Tommy K's. <laughs> It was the Blockbuster before Blockbuster. Yeah. Right? So I used to get to go rent a game if I was lucky. All right. So here's here's a question for me. I'm sorry to keep interjecting here, but did your Tommy K's video have a Tommy's tanning directly next yes. to it? 
Of course. All right, good. I think that's like a franchise thing because well, the one near me also did that. There's also, and I didn't realize this until I went to one town over from me uh, where I was living at the time. It's Brantford. Mm. They also have laundry service. Really? So occasionally you would have a Tommy Case video, See, a go, Tommy's tanning, you, and a Tommy's you would, laundry. You just go rent a movie, get yourself a tan, then do your laundry all in one take. All, all at once. Boom. Done. God. Why didn't Walmart do that? I feel I'm like, sure I feel somewhere like if, they do. I feel like if Walmart... Or if Tommy's didn't completely fall out, like putting everything into the video rental thing, they probably would be the next Walmart. <laughs> you know, or just put it all under one roof. Stop paying rent for three buildings. Jeez. But there was a point in time right around the PlayStation mm-hmm. where I started to realize how much I loved going to the grocery store. Yeah. The reason for this Game Informer magazine. Uh, what was the other one? I, I could picture the the font of it. I can't think yeah. of the words right now. There was another one. It was like the number one. There was Game Pro. That's the one I was thinking of. Oh, you're thinking of the Game Pro. Yep, that's the one I was thinking of. They sometimes would be out of the shrink wrap, right? And I would sit in the magazine aisle, and my mom would have to instead of dragging me to the grocery store, she would have to drag me out of the grocery store. Hey, do you know what the first section I always flipped to in Game Pro or Game Informer was? Uh, the cheat codes in the back? Absolutely. That's the first thing you got to check every month. Because nowadays, if you want to know a fatality for Scorpion, or, you know, where, where do you go? Probably just find some really, really haggard, like, Game Facts form from, like, 2006. If you wanted to know back then, there was two ways. It was in the weekly cheat codes, or mm-hmm. monthly. Actually, there were monthly magazines back then. And they would give you. They wouldn't give you all of them. Yeah, they give you some of them. They'd be like, "Here's Raiden, Scorpion, and Sub Zero's fatalities." It was either that, or you had to figure them out for yourself. Yeah. You want you want to talk a little bit about making Chico's a commodity, and <laughs> we'll probably make another episode about this shit. But um, back in the days when I was super into Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Um, they had a deal with Tech Deck because they were one of the primary yeah, sponsors yeah, for the, the first game. Finger, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, the little finger boards. So they had a series of boards from the skaters that were featured in the game. And the way that they would market it is that they had a little slip of paper underneath the skateboard in the packaging that showed you all their special tricks. And I bought at least four of them. So that was kind of like um, almost like Skylanders before Skylanders were a thing. Yeah, a little bit. To unlock this part of the game, you have to buy the toy. Yeah. I mean, you could figure out the combination if you really were, like, just mashing it. But all I had to do was, like, drop two bucks for a tiny plastic skateboard and you already had the moves, like, on a slip of paper. You know, it, these are pieces that... They're pieces of nerd culture that get so lost. Like, the idea that a lot of my favorite cartoons actually came about because a toy line needed a way to run more than a 90 second commercial and we didn't care about it we just didn't care a lot a lot of people these days if something like that were about was about to drop today everyone would be talking about how it's just a cash grab yes but back in our day again sorry young kids they're all right back in our day okay (laughs) boomer yeah basically this is the okay boomer segment um back in our day we just didn't care because we we're consuming the media, and then if there was a product connected to it, if we liked it, we just bought it. Oh, yeah. I think I think back to – so for me, when I was growing up, 
I think back to G.I. Joe. Right. right? So so G.I. Joe is it's kind of like the prototype for like how things are done. Yeah. You had the first thing that was actually created was the G.I. Joe doll. Mm-hmm. And then to try to market it, because there used to be laws, uh, marketing targeted towards kids. And this also goes to show you how much our society has flipped. If the commercial targeted a kid, there was a time limit to it. It was 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. And of that 90 second clip, only 30 seconds of it could be animated. Right. So you had to actually show the toy, the product, what it could really do, which we all know no toy ever lived up to its potential, right? Absolutely. So if you if you were looking at like a Dukes of Hazard self-winding car that jumped over like 25 buses in the commercial, that thing couldn't jump over my foot in real life. But the part where it was jumping would be animated. Right. So to get around these marketing rules, they created full feature cartoons. And essentially the cartoon was just a 30-minute advertisement for the toy. Mm-hmm. And we were okay with this because it was fucking awesome. Well, in our day, it was fucking awesome. If you go back and watch it now, a lot of it's really, really bad. No, it all holds up. It's all good. No. Don't you, don't you all right, shit see, on my here, nostalgia. Here's the thing. In my day, I was a gigantic fan of SWAT cats. SWAT cats? I don't even know what SWAT cats were. It, it, was, a, it was like towards the end of the Hanna-Barbera like, okay. produced cartoons. It was it's super nineties. It's basically two guys that live in a, I think they call it like a almost like socialistic society where it's more like government's in direct control of everything, and they were part of a military unit. They refused their orders because of like moral reasons, and they got basically kicked out of the military and were basically forced to work like really crappy jobs. But in their spare time they're vigilantes they're vigilantes because they want to do right even though the government's saying that they shouldn't be doing what's right is this like street sharks but like cats instead it's produced around the same time but yes okay okay um but here's the thing i love swat i love swat cats (laughs) um it probably explains a lot about me today but still (laughs) um i bought the dvd box set because it's really hard to find yeah I haven't watched it yet because I know it's a really bad cartoon. <laughs> there, there are some things that we go, we go back now and they just don't, they don't hold up. Yeah, they do not. I, I don't know if I talked. Do about not this watch on... the Pokemon show. It is garbage now. I don't it know if I talked about garbage. this one on the show or not. I feel like I might have. Um, I found the Neverending Story on Amazon Prime Video. Yikes. The never ending story. I I'm the eighties child in me is screaming as I'm about to say. Oh wait, this. hold on. He's he's winding up here. Here we go. He's about to spill the tea. It's one of the most garbage storylines I've ever seen in my life. If it weren't for the fact that I saw the pain in your eyes when you were saying that. It it's because I look back, I think, you know, Falcor, which by the way, don't 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 just keep the magical dog dragon as he is in your head. <laughs> Do not go back and watch it. Atreyu is not the badass we all thought he was. And uh, the nothing. Oh, God. You know what that was? They had all these Jim Hansen's creations. Yeah. And they were like, we need a way to connect them all. And you know what they came up with? Nothing. Yeah. And that's why the the enemy in the never ending story was called the nothing guys because that's what the substance of the storyline was nothing and it broke my nerd heart 
30 year old me cried it was i wanted to go find two because in my head i'm like well two is better than one two two has to be better than one and i started thinking a little bit about it i was like no no this is gonna be just another letdown Mm. i will say though the princess bride still holds up yeah so back to video game magazines (laughs) oh yeah so tangents um (laughs) But but the other piece to it was, and I'm not gonna lie, old me is not proud to say this. If the game was out of the shrink wrap, why was it out of the shrink wrap? Because it's bad. Either though they can't afford to put shrink wrap on it, or somebody ripped it open to get the disc. Oh. So for those of you who that's like some six o'clock news paranoia sort of thing going on there. So for those of you who don't know exactly what we're talking about, so you used to have the magazine and it'd be in some sort of cellophane wrapping, whether it be airtight or loose or like even just serial looking plastic. And then on the inside of that, you'd have a soft CD cover with the demo disc inside. Mm-hmm. The power of the demo disc changed the gaming frontier. Absolutely. Nowadays, uh, Steam, uh, for those of you who play computers, Steam offers trials of games. Yep. You can put the game in your library for 24 hours and you can play it. As does most um, console marketplaces as well. Right? So, But that concept before online gaming wasn't a thing. You were going all or nothing on a game. Well, either that or you, you would either have to get the demo disc from the magazine... Or you would have to go to the store to the playable console display. Yes, and hope that that was one of the demos. Absolutely. And they would rotate it every like other month. I won't lie. There was a couple games I completely finished. Yeah. At the, when I got a little bit older, right next to... It wasn't called Big Y. It was the company that owned Big Y's before Big Y was a thing. Probably like there. Shaw's or Ames or something like something that. Something like that. Yeah, actually, I think it was Ames. Yeah. And then... Poor enough for Ames. They had some great discount toys. True, they really did. Right across the plaza, which is now a Walmart, used to be a Bradley's. Ooh, that Bradley's. So when I got a little bit older, my mom was okay with it because I don't know if you guys know, back in the 80s and 90s, kids could play outside without getting abducted. It was an amazing thing. Eh. Borderline, but maybe we just didn't hear about it as much. If you didn't live in L.A., yes, you would not get kidnapped. Parents used to let us wander and be out of sight. So I would go over to Bradley's, and there was times where I finished entire games while my mom was grocery shopping. But the power to try a game before you bought it, and the amount of times I bought a game solely because of the demo, was insane. A friend of mine actually works for Epic Games. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a part of the original development team for Fortnite. Back oh. when Fortnite, back when Fortnite's back purpose, when it was just the open world co-op game. Exactly. Okay. So he actually kind of left the development team when it turned into a battle royale. I'm sure he probably wished he got that paycheck. No, he still works for them, and oh, he okay. still gets credit for um, his propri- proprietary coding that he did. Oh, that's good. So, um, but he used to work for. Um, am I saying right? Konami. Yeah, Konami. So. He t- he's told me this before. The demos they used to release would get twice the man hours as the rest of the game. Yeah, because you needed to give the hardest sell possible to anyone that knows literally nothing about your game. And how many times did you buy games straight up because of that demo disc? 
Ooh, um, well, this was back in my childhood, so I wasn't the one buying the game, but um, if I asked very nicely and I wasn't a jerk for most of the year, I could probably get it for Christmas. That was also Christmas and birthdays. Yeah. Christmas I, or birthdays, or if I was super impatient, we would just rent it. Yeah, but the rental thing even... Oh, this is what used to break my heart about yeah, it. Here's the here's fucked up thing about renting video games back in the day. You rent a movie, you get it for a week. You rent a video game, you get it for three days. Three days. So basically, it's just a weekend game. So there, There's an entire generation of kids that only knew about a video game because they played it over a weekend and then had to bring it back on Monday at Blockbuster. The amount of times I rented Resident Evil 1, because I always used to get stuck at the same part. Mm. And then when you rented a game, when you needed to delete something from your memory card, because I only have one memory card. Right. Obviously, the games I own stayed. The games I rented was what got deleted. Yeah. So I rent Resident Evil. Then a week or two later, need the slot. It would get erased. Fast forward a month. Damn, I never beat Resident Evil. Rent to repeat this cycle until eventually... uh, I actually only finished Resident Evil 1 for the Mm. first time five years ago. All right. I had to play the remake, so I don't even know if I got the real ending. Well, going on to the memory card thing, I had we did not have a memory card that I could openly use until we had a PlayStation Two. Oof. So, Tony Hawk One and Two, I did not beat until I played in a marathon like two years ago. And there's so many games that that our generation that's like we know parts of games, right? Because you had three. I used to hate that. You go in on Friday night, you rent a game, you rent a movie. Okay, the movie's due back next Friday. The game's due back Sunday by six. What? Yeah. And there was a really cool time right at the end before Tommy Case went under. I think they were trying to save their business. Mm-hmm. They had a monthly membership thing where you could have one game out for a full seven days, but you had to have like a monthly reoccurring yeah. fee. But the cool thing about it was you could get as many games as you wanted without having. So, like, if you had the membership, I give you one game, I get the other game. I don't need mom there. I don't need a wallet. I just need to give them the phone number on the account, and we roll. Mm. And then we realized it was kind of like the original Netflix. We realized all we had to do was share phone numbers, and my buddies and I could, like, yeah, you know, share each other's Tommy K accounts. It's pretty great. Kind of dress up to make sure you look like the guy in case they actually try to, like, pull ID <laughs> on you. <laughs> but there's so many things that influenced and impacted the gaming community that I'm going to be honest, I miss. There was a certain amount of trust you have with GamePro, right? right? Like there are certain authors that I didn't always read the articles, but if they put out an article, I read it because I respected it. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you know, even if you go to the same website, the odds of you reading an article by the same person, very slim. Yeah, because they don't pay that guy enough and he left. Right. It's almost like the electronic magazine has killed the validity of it as a journalistic style. Yeah, I would probably argue for that in most cases, but in some cases it also helps centralize it a bit more. Like the whole idea of gatekeeping um, kind of like lowered um, the possibility for people to actually just start doing their own thing. Um, Because there are a lot of people that do really good journalistic work in the gaming world that would not have been given a chance if they tried to be a staff writer for, like, a magazine or something like Mm. that. Like, independent journalism was 
really benefiting from the fact that digital media was rising and print was falling. Um, and there are a lot of good, like independent writers that do really good work, but also at the same time, if you lower the standard for the whole gatekeeping thing, you also bring up a lot of people that think that their opinion matters. Right. And, that, um, and that's just it though. It's like, I need somebody while from... we're sitting here doing a podcast about video games. Yeah. Right. But, but let's think about it, though. This is actually what I was about to say, you know, I need somebody to filter out. I don't have enough time right. to filter out the noise. I need somebody to do that for me and tell me this person's valid. This person isn't. Mm -hmm. It's why I listen to ESPN radio and not local radio when it comes to my sports news. Okay. Cause I know that if they've earned their way into ESPN, there's some validity behind what they're saying. Mm -hmm. There's been a background check. They have some level of expertise. Whereas What's that website? Kotaku or something like that? Sure. Barstool Sports. You know, you got you have all these websites where there is no filter. Mm. It's just kind of submit your op-eds and we'll put them up there for you. Yeah. I've actually found myself consuming more of individual opinions rather than uh, corporate opinions. Mm. But then you run into the issue of essentially echo chambers. Yeah. Like if there's no if there's no establishment doing the gatekeeping for you, you have to do it yourself, and a lot of people aren't willing to do that for themselves. Exactly. So they just take it in and be like, "This is this is like." Here's the thing about. <laughs> Remember we were talking about demo discs. Yeah, that um, was the thing once. Here, here's the thing about it: it's like a lot of people consume like opinion on video games through like sites like YouTube. A lot of people right. post video essays about like how video games go and. A lot of times, the ones that get the most views are ones that are directly contradicting popular opinion. Like, right. the, one of the biggest ones is a video essay about how Ocarina of Time is a terrible game. And that one strikes a very specific nerve in the gaming community because that game, despite its flaws, is considered a absolute perfect masterpiece. And then someone can come up try and make a name for themselves by saying, no, this is actually a really bad game, and here's every single reason why. It, it's... Uh, what, like, what do we like, call that? There was... I think it was um, Psychic Pebbles, uh, a old-school Newgrounds animator that says, like, just because you have a contradictory opinion doesn't mean it's a valid one. Right. Absolutely. But the thing is, is it's... it's um, or a contrarian opinion, rather. Sorry. It's being contrite for the sake of being... It's knowing that because it's provocative, mm. it'll get views. Exactly. As opposed to being provocative because it's offering a legitimate difference of viewpoint. Mm -hmm. Right? So the more differentiating opinions you get on something, the closer you're going to get to the truth. Yeah. Like, if they're valid. Like, the thing is, like, one very huge example where I could see, like, the duality of, like, um, contrarian opinion in terms of video games was um, a video that um, Aaron Hansen or the internet knows as Ego Raptor made um, from his sequelitis series comparing um, Links to the Past and Ocarina of Time. He started out doing a really constructive criticism of how Ocarina of Time's um, transition from the 2D realm to the 3D realm basically made a lot of the core mechanics from the 2D realm completely unplayable in the 3D realm mm -hmm. because of all the new hurdles that you have to go through in order to approach game designs for like dungeons and stuff like that. But towards the end, because he had such an inherent bias for not liking Ocarina of Time, 
it completely derailed his argument against Ocarina of Time being a good game by just going straight into the whole nitpicking thing and then becoming super emotionally charged. Right. Um, if he was potentially able to keep a level head about everything and just go straight into how the core mechanics of the game did not translate from 2D to 3D, he would have probably, he probably would have made more sequelized episodes because I think the response to that one was intense enough for him not to want to make any more of them. The thing that, as I'm sitting here, because I haven't seen the video, right? I'm sitting here thinking as some of that would be consuming that. Um, and I can see your points of the nitpicking is I approach them as two different games. Right. Right. So like I'm one of the few people that I'm struggling to get through breath of the wild. Okay. I don't enjoy it. I don't. Is it because of like the uh, Skyrim thing where it's like too big? No, I don't like durability on weapons. Okay. Um, I don't feel, even though it looks better, I feel like there's a copy and paste mechanic for each zone. Mm hmm. They don't really introduce new mechanics to me. They just change the looks of the enemies. Mm. I don't find the shrines or the, the dungeons enjoyable. Um, I want to be fighting more things down there. I don't want to just be... If I want a puzzle-solving dungeon crawler, mm. I'll go look for like a Tomb Raider. Okay. Um, but at the same time, I don't judge it as a bad game. It's a different type of Zelda slash link game right. that i don't enjoy that's usually a thing like when a zelda game tries to explore new territory it usually fumbles first and then when they make the game after that they refine it right so but it's also just my when i get specific titles mm. like the there was a tomb raider that came out i forgot which one it was but it was more of a uh quick time event like press this button to dodge this boulder maybe that's angel of darkness i i, got... I know i know angel of darkness is considered to be the absolute worst one in the series so i don't know whether or not i would I, I don't know that one. but the the most recent one that came out i had mm -hmm. a 20 minute demo of uh through um steam which i think was rise i think so too and it kind of recaptured what in my eyes tomb raider was supposed to be mm -hmm. you know i felt like i was exploring these dungeons and it was less about uh, me versus some military force that's coming in and me versus some aboriginal tribe that's near the tombs that i am exploring mm -hmm. which is kind of was the original premise of the tomb raider you know one you you ran into a t-rex like because you're in these tombs yeah you know and i think that's what kind of happened to me with breath of the wild is i expected something because it was connected to the zelda slash link lore yeah and that's not what i got i got something closer to a a skyrim experience mm-hmm does that make it a bad game? No. It's just, it's not what I expect from the series. And you can hit or miss. Because there are games out there, like Mario RPG, where you take a complete left turn from what the series is, mm. and it's successful. With having to make a $60 investment, though, to begin it, to bring us sort of back around to demos. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it the demo tape allowed you to see if this new direction was for you. Mm -hmm. When Mortal Kombat went to three-dimensional, when um, games went from top-down sports games to being behind the player, right. they go over-the-shoulder view, or you can even think about third-person shooters as opposed to first-person shooters. Mm. To be able to try and explore it essentially guilt-free 
They don't do that anymore. Not to the same extent, not to the same power. And there's a certain nostalgia that comes from it, but there's also a certain value that I would like to see more people do the free stim demos, the yeah. free console demos, and have it be specific chunks of the game to highlight how the new mechanics shine. You know what's crazy about the demo discs, though? There's a lot of instances, too, where I actually prefer the demo over the full game. Yeah. Like, Chief Among Witch, and I kind of went on a nostalgia trip when I was like doing my research to make sure like I knew which ones I wanted to talk about. But um, one of the original um, demo discs from the official PlayStation magazine, which did like its whole thing called like PlayStation Underground or whatever, um, it had a demo for a Tumba, which was a weird, very Japanese game. Um, the name might not be familiar, but you'll probably remember the character. It was like a weird um, Tarzan-looking kid with pink hair and like green grass yeah. skirt sort of thing. Yeah. I actually know exactly who that is. So basically the demo for Tumba for Tum Tumba, yeah, Tumba <laughs> was that you played through I think it was like pretty much the first act of the game and then the demo was over. And then I rented the game for one weekend and I got past the part where it was the first act of the game where the demo would end and I wasn't interested anymore. I think it was probably because I played that demo so much that I thought the end of act 1 was just the end of the game mm. and I didn't want to keep going. That is actually... And which is kind of like to its detriment as well because the demo for Tumba was fucking huge. You, Like, you had main quests, but you also had, like, 50 side quests you could do at the same time. Like, that demo could have easily been a 10-hour demo if you really wanted to, like, explore everything, which you do not get anymore. That is that is also true. You know, and even if, like, I think back to the... I, I think it was uh, 30 minutes you were allowed with Resident Evil 2 Remake. I believe so, yeah. There are parts that you should have... Now that I'm playing the whole game, there are parts you should have been able to get to. Yeah. Like, in the, the time period that you get dropped in there, this room is open in the full game. Mm -hmm. It's close to the demo. Yeah. It's not even like a spoiler. It's not like even going into that room is going to ruin some great mystery for you when you play the full game. Mm -hmm. They just didn't want to put that room in. And I think that that's kind of, like, cool that these old demo discs, they didn't section off what you couldn't if it's there it's there if it's not it's not part of the game yeah folks listen <laughs> i have to stop us here because we could go on all day and i think what i've realized is that we literally went over demo this for like five minutes it's this okay whole thing. this is I'm, I'm just gonna start calling this show bored and derailed because um, we never get to what i want to get to because it's just nerd conversations this is part of why i want to do this we should get nerdy people together to be nerds and talk about nerddom. So much like when we ended with Dale, it's very clear that we're going to have to have Spencer come back. And maybe I'll even put show notes up for us to ignore next time. So we stay a little more on track. Yeah, put like time marks in it. Like, here's when we talked about demos. And here's the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. Which, let's be honest, we're just going to break through all those and do whatever we want to do anyways. Because that's kind of how this rolls. But I want to thank Spence for being here today. Thanks, Spence. Thank you. He'll be back. Um... Part three, episode three. I mean, that kind of makes sense to me. You know, three parts for three. I feel good about it. Next week, um, I'm going to try to get in touch. With, not get in touch, but set up uh, time with a good friend of mine, longtime moderator of my uh, Twitch channel, Unholy Night. is going to come through to talk about something I know nothing about and he loves, mobile gaming. 
So if you have any interest in mobile gaming, please come by next week as we talk with Unholy Knight. Until then, stay gold, pony boy.